Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, filling in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. you got to make sure I remember what day it is. I get mixed up sometimes. Tuesday. Thank you, Mike. Uh, but uh, now joined by Broad Street Hockey, uh, broadstreethockey.com, um, bro- at Broad Street Hockey on Twitter, uh, Bill Matt's hockey expert uh, at Philadelphia One is where you can find him on Twitter. Bill, thanks for coming on. Uh, happy you could join us tonight. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I can't say I'm happy, but uh, I'm always happy to talk to you, so at least we have that. Yeah, Bill, a, a bit of a rough one tonight. As the Flyers go down 4 nothing, uh to the Islanders in Game 1, and, you know, a lot to get to, a lot to, to dive into from this game. But uh, first off, let's get your overall thoughts on the game and what exactly did you see watching Game 1? I saw a team that just wasn't up to the task of playoff hockey. I, I, I'll tell you, you were talking about Giroux before the break and everything, and I, I've been one of the people who have defended him over the years because, hey, you know, he hasn't had a ton of help. We thought he did now, and it, it's one thing when you're up against prime Lundqvist or prime Crosby or prime Ovechkin and you're not favored to win. You're up against a generational talent. But when you can get nothing going against a team like Montreal, a team like the Islanders, there is some sort of issue here. I don't know what it is, but things are not going in the right direction for the team's best players, and that starts with Giroux, Couturier, and Kevin Hayes. Yeah, and let's dive into that a little bit more, Bill, because, you know, it's hard in hockey to blame one or two people. I totally get that. It is a a team game, and if things aren't functioning and you don't have the help around you – it is hard um, to blame a, a couple guys, um, but you look at, at Giroux and, you know, the, the history. How fair is it to be critical of him based off his history in the playoffs, but also, like you said, you know, what we've seen so far in the bubble in Toronto? I think the number now was at 23 straight playoff games, which is, you know, three-plus full seven-game series worth of games where he hasn't scored a playoff goal. It's a, or he has one, I think, in that time. Like, it's not enough. It's, he's just not giving them enough, and Sean Couturier's right there with him. We all lauded his effort. Uh, it was the final game, the game six against Pittsburgh in, in 2018, where he had a hat trick on a torn MCL, and wow, what a playoff performer. 
he set the tone tonight for just sloppy, bad play. First shift of the game, turnover behind the net, right out in front, uh, and it just they just never recovered. We can talk about this team's depth, and they don't seem to have the type of depth we thought they did when the playoffs started, but if your top guys don't score, your depth doesn't matter. Yeah, and uh, you talk about Couturier, Bill, and I've heard some people maybe – um, you know, just trying to explain what's going on here, maybe speculate that he he's dealing with something physically. How, uh, do, you, do you think there's any chance he's dealing with some kind of injury we don't know about? I mean, they've been off for four and a half months. This is game 10. I mean, it's playoff hockey. It's dirty. It, it is what it is. But there are no excuses here. This was a team that came in with expectations. They won the number one seed. If he's so hurt that it's hurting the team, he shouldn't be in the lineup. And if he is, uh, if he's if he's well enough to play, which it appears he is, uh, then he needs to be better. I mean, the dude again scored a hat trick on a torn MCL two years ago in the playoffs. So I I, I really I, I don't have time for these injury excuses. It, it's been ten games for everybody. Yeah, and we talk about the top line guys, and you know what I'm seeing, and I'm certainly no no expert here, but from Giroux and Konechny, and you saw it kind of toward the tail end of the Montreal series and a little bit in game one of this series, and then, you know, Lawton has the bad turnover in his own end. Um, Do you see guys right now that are maybe getting frustrated and starting to press a little bit? I really thought I saw that in the the end of the Montreal series, and I just thought so many of these guys have never been to the second round. So many of them have, you know, the last time they were there was eight years ago. Niskanen and Braun are the only guys who've been to a cup final on the entire team. So maybe once they got through the first round, they'd stop pressing and stop feeling that pressure and realize this is still hockey, a game you are good at and excelled at all season. Time Time to stop gripping the stick so hard. But here's the thing. The other term for pressing, gripping the stick too hard, is choking, which is yeah. what the offense is doing at this point. Yeah, no, and and it's it's a it's a good point, Bill, and it's it is certainly concerning when you see it, and you know, and I know people always love to see uh, players shoot, and it's always a joke that, that fans always yell shoot, but do you see then too often trying to make that extra pass and not just you know throwing pucks at the net at, at times? It has been offensively an issue this entire time since the Montreal series, and it was really on display tonight just so many did you even see we'll talk about like the pressures of playoff hockey and the way you need to play to win playoff hockey did you see a scrum in front of Varlamov tonight like a situation where everyone was down low and it got real physical I saw plenty in front of Carter Hart yeah. I just didn't see them try hard enough to get to those greasy areas and they definitely didn't shoot enough to create situations where they can get a rebound get some sort of dirty goal, get themselves on the board, build some momentum. None of that. They need to shoot more at 100%. No, and you're right. And the only time I saw that was, you know, Voracek uh, took a little run at Martin, but that's down near Carter Hart. You know, that that wasn't a scrum in, in front of the Islanders net or anything like that. And, you know, you look at the the turnovers in their own end and kind of the sloppy play in their own end. And that goes back to the Montreal series as well. We saw it in games five and six where the Flyers would have this bad habit of scoring a goal and then kind of immediately getting lax, I guess, and giving up a goal and, and some more bad turnovers and sloppy play in their own end tonight. Um, do you think, you know, that's something that they can 
kind of get fixed with a quick turnaround here since it's becoming a bit of a trend over these last few games. It really, I thought for most of the Montreal series, while the offense wasn't there, their play on their side of the red line was, was miraculous. It was really what was keeping, uh, keeping Carter Hart clean to be able to have back-to-back shutouts and uh, post the numbers that he did coming into the night. He led the league and led the playoffs and save percentage. It's because he wasn't facing that many high-danger opportunities. But late in the series, you did start to see Montreal break through a little, and I thought it was, again, something they could clean up and just a, uh, it, it was more a function of them pressing for more offense and starting to get frustrated with not being able to create anything. But here they are again tonight, and uh, first shift of the game, Sean Couturier, you mentioned Scott Lawton. They had a bunch of them tonight. Uh, Shane Gossespierre, tons of turnovers. The uh, Couturier played behind the net where he just left the, wide, uh, the front of the net wide open with two defensemen back there already. It was it, it was just a, a sloppy effort all around. Yeah, and as far as Carter Hart goes, I mean, he was he did everything right. He was very good in Game One. Um, and you look at him, and you know he's steady. You know he is, uh, you know, a, a goaltender who seems like he's up to the task and won't let playoff pressure affect him. But how worried are you that if he continues to face just this barrage of shots that? Uh, you know, it could kind of damage his confidence a little bit if the pucks uh, get by him at times. I'm not so much worried about his confidence. What I'm just worried about is wasting this tremendous postseason that he could be having if you just gave him a little bit more offense and kept him clean a few more times. Like, uh, how many times have they just not had the goaltending in the playoffs? Now it looks like they're going to get it at least somewhat. But you can't win games 0-0 Carter Hart plays the game of his life tonight. It goes to overtime. Like, that's the best-case scenario they're looking for. Yeah, and and you look now at the schedule ahead, Bill. Um, Obviously, back-to-backs are tough, and um, the Flyers have one coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. Do you see Carter Hart starting both those games, or do you think Brian Elliott gets some some playing time here? You know, I thought it was crazy for people to suggest Elliott should start uh, in the last series in the back-to-backs just because Hart hadn't really played back-to-backs this year, and you don't see it a ton. But in the playoffs, you play your goalie. But the way he played in the second game of the back-to-back, maybe it would benefit them to get Elliott in there. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you name your number one goalie and you play your number one goalie until he gives you a reason not to. Uh, I I think he's going to be in there, but – it might be worth the conversation just because of what we saw in the first-round series. Now, as far as some other coaching decisions, Bill, and, you know, at this point, it's 3 nothing. It's late in the game, but I guess it was around, what, seven and a half, eight minutes left when, when A.V. decided to pull Carter Hart and go with the extra attacker. Uh, did you have a problem with that at that point, or did you think that was a, a, an aggressive move worth making at the time? I was shocked by it, but when I saw what happened, they had created so little offense that it was pretty clear that they weren't going to score in this game. They definitely weren't going to score three without some sort of fluke, without some sort of extra boost, something externally happening. Was it the smartest move? Uh, It's all about that idea of preserving the game. It's like, okay, if we kick the field goal here, we still need to score the touchdown, but we're still in it. We just got to recover an onside kick. Like, all right, what are you extending the game for if you don't think you can score that touchdown either way? And that's what I'm looking like. Okay, let's leave the goalie in the net till there's two minutes left and then make the rush, and then we can pretend it was a game 
up until the last two minutes. It wasn't. The Flyers didn't play well enough to win tonight. Elaine Vigneault tried something. Was it the best move? Was it the smartest coaching decision? No, but it didn't matter. Right, and yeah, you're trying to get something going. They weren't getting anything five-on-five. Like you said, they get one goal. It makes the score look more respectable, but in the end, doesn't doesn't change a ton. Now, you know, Elaine Vigneault has been great this year, pushing the right buttons at the right times, making the right moves when this team has needed them. Do you see anything, maybe as far as a roster move or, or – uh, a change shuffling the lines that he can do moving forward to maybe uh, jumpstart things a little bit here? I think he, he went back to it pretty early tonight, but Giroux just has to be with Couturier, and uh, maybe you put maybe you move Jake down, move uh, Travis Konechny up. That trio has had a lot of success together in the past. There are moves you can make. You can shuffle guys in and out, but what it has to come down to is the best players taking ownership of this thing. He can't uh, Elaine Vigneault can't force them to go to the net and, and, and play that physical playoff brand of hockey. He can't force them to shoot uh, instead of passing. He can't force them into the fight. They have to do it if they want to make this a series. Yeah, and, and you look now, Bill, uh, in this matchup with the Islanders, and um, the Islanders obviously got the best of them game one, but looking forward here, are, are, are the Islanders just a bad matchup for the Flyers? They really are. When the playoffs first started, I believe I was talking to Jody about this. Uh, He asked me, who do I want to avoid? And obviously, like, Tampa is one of, if not the most talented teams in the league. The Flyers haven't beat them until the round robin in, like, two years. You want to stay away from a team that good just because they're freaking good. But the Flyers didn't beat the Islanders all in the regular season. They've lost, I think, seven out of the last nine against the Islanders. It hasn't gone well against that team. They just play a style that really stymies the Flyers. What surprised me most, honestly, was the Islanders must have really watched what Montreal did and uh, came out way more aggressive than everyone pretty much expected them. Uh, Jonesy and Brian Boucher both mentioned it. Uh, We mentioned it on the podcast today that they're more of a uh, laid-back kind of team. Line up across their blue line and say, go ahead and try to beat us, which you usually can't. But they came out hard right away tonight, and I think it caught the Flyers off guard, and they never got back on track. Yeah, and, and we're talking with Bill Matz, uh, Broad Street Hockey, broadstreethockey.com. Go check out the podcast. Um, but you look at it now, Bill, and you know you look at Montre- or uh, the Islanders and their bench, how dumb do the Washington Capitals look for winning a Stanley Cup after choking in the playoffs year after year? How dumb do they look for not rewarding Barry Trotz of the contract? It is incredible to win a championship with a coach and not retain him. Like, that is just absolutely ludicrous to me. And then, uh, you know, he he knocks the crap out of his former team with this new squad that nobody thought he could turn into contenders, and he has. And he gets the guy who replaced him fired. It was some poetic justice. This is no knock on Elaine Vigneault because I think he's a tremendous coach. This might be the one matchup where the Flyers don't have the advantage in the coaching category. Yeah, no, Trotz is tremendous, and he obviously has a has a, a great track record. And one more, Bill, I, I need to switch sports with you for a second. Um, I, we all know how close you are with Big Daddy Graham and Big Daddy's disdain for now former Sixers coach Brett Brown. Uh, how excited is Big Daddy that Brett Brown is no longer coaching the Philadelphia 76ers? I think, I think his excitement is a little dampened by the fact that everyone's on the Brown had to go bandwagon now. He just keeps yeah. saying, like, I've been saying it for three years. <laughs> and, uh, like, 
but no, he definitely he's he's been against Brown. He knows that there are other issues with the team, but he uh, he definitely uh, he got his he got his wish finally. Let's say that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> good. Glad Big Daddy uh, finally sees the thing that he's been calling for for years come to fruition. Um, but Bill uh, Bill Matz, uh, BroadStreetHockey.com at BroadStreetHockey on Twitter at Philadelphia One on Twitter is where you can find Bill. Bill, thanks for hopping on and giving us a few minutes, man. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, Tommy. All right, take it easy. That's Bill Matz. Uh, always fun talking to Bill. Uh, about Flyers hockey, um, B- Bill is so knowledgeable about it too, and and fired up. So go listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm gonna have to listen to the podcast because it sounds like Bill was uh, angry and can be a little more unfiltered um, on Broad Street hockey than he can on WIP as far as the lang- language is concerned. Um, but uh, Bill obviously fired up uh, about the Flyers' loss, and I'm sure a lot of Flyers fans are. And I'll continue. Uh, we'll continue talking about it here because. Um, it was concerning, and I do think at this point you gotta you gotta look at the captain. And I know Flyers fans don't like to do it a lot. Some Flyers fans, I'll say, um, don't like to criticize Claude Giroux. But at this point, there is a, a lot of of evidence here as far as him coming up small in the postseason. And I think it's fair to expect more from a player who we look at in this town and think. Is one of the you know uh, one of the best in the NHL. Uh, you need more from. So we'll get into that more next segment. Also, I have a social media gripe. I came across something on Twitter where I was part of a list um, on uh, on Monday Night Mike. Uh, so we'll get to this next segment. I want to explain it, and the way I'm going to go with it uh, is it, not the take you'd expect uh, with me being on this list. I'll explain it more next segment. Um, but uh, again, I gotta. I got to rip some some media members here, media members that I don't really know, uh, but but some media members you know who get a, a little a little sensitive. Media people can can be very sensitive at times, so we'll get. Boy, to that. this can be very interesting. <laughs> not Paul, not Paul. Paul was not. I don't believe Paul was on this list. I'll have to pull it up during the break. Um, but but I'll get to that uh, next segment. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham Sports Radio ninety four WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.